Trans Personae, an actus primus of the Virgin Affairs by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Duke of Venice, read by Phil Schampf. Prince of Morocco, read by Beth Thomas. The Prince of Aragon, read by Phil Schampf. Antonio, read by Christine G. Bassanio, read by John Burlinson. Solanio, read by Tricia G. Salarino, read by Linda B. Gratiano, read by Sonia. Lorenzo, read by Tony Addison. Shylock, read by Tony Addison. Tubal, read by Maria Casper. Lancelot Gabo, read by John Burlinson. Old Gabo, read by Ray Casper. Leonardo, read by Catherine. Balthazar, read by Phil Schampf. Portia, read by Charlotte Duckett. Nerissa, read by Jennifer Fournier. Jessica, read by Rachel. Portia's Servant, read by Phil Schampf. Messenger, read by Lydia. Man from Antonio, read by Ray Casper. Narrator, read by Gwen O'Brien. Actus Primus, and Antonio, Salarino, and Suanio. In sooth, I know not why I am so sad. It wearies me. You say it wearies you. But how I caught it, found it, or came by it, what stuff it is made of, whereof it is born. I am to learn, and such a want-wit sadness makes of me, that I have much ado to know myself. Your mind is tossing on the ocean, there where your argosies with portly sail, like seigneurs and rich burghers on the flood, or as it were, the pageants of the sea, do overpeer the petty traffickers that curtsy to them, do them reverence as they fly by them with their woven wings. Believe me, sir, had I such venture forth, the better part of my affections would be with my hopes abroad. I should still be plucking the grass to know where sits the wind, peering in maps for ports and piers and roads, and every object that might make me fear misfortune to my ventures, out of doubt would make me sad. My wind cooling my broth would blow me to an ague when I thought what harm a wind too great might do at sea. I should not see the sandy hourglass run, but I should think of shallows and of flats and see my wealthy Andrew docks in sand, veiling her high top lower than her ribs to kiss her burial. Should I go to church and see the holy edifice of stone, and not bethink me straight of dangerous rocks, which touching but my gentle vessel's side would scatter all her pieces on the stream, enrobe the roaring waters with my silks, and in a word, but even now worth this, and now worth nothing. Shall I have the thought to think on this, and shall I lack the thought that such a thing bechanced would make me sad? But tell me, I know Antonio is sad to think upon his merchandise. Believe me, no, I thank my fortune for it. My ventures are not in one bottom trusted, nor to one place, nor is my whole estate, upon the fortune of this present year. Therefore my merchandise makes me not sad." Why, then, you are in love. Fie, fie. Not in love, neither. Then let us say you are sad, because you are not merry. 
and twere as easy for you to laugh and leap and say you are merry because you are not sad now by two-headed janus nature hath framed strange fellows in her time some that will evermore peep through their eyes and laugh like parrots at a bagpiper and other of such vinegar aspect that they'll not show their teeth in way of a smile though nestor swear the jest be laughable enter pisanio lorenzo and gratiano here comes bassanio your most noble kinsman gratiano and lorenzo very well we leave you now with better company i would have stayed till i had made you merry if worthier friends had not prevented me your worth is very dear in my regard i take it your own business calls on you and you embrace the occasion to depart good morrow my good lords good signors both when shall we laugh say when you grow exceeding strange must it be so we'll make our leisures to attend on yours axiant soeno and suanio my lord bassanio since you have found antonio we too will leave you but at dinner-time i pray you have in mind where we must meet i will not fail you you look not well signor antonio you have too much respect upon the world they lose it that do buy it with much care believe me you are marvellously changed i hold the world but ask the world gratiano a stage where every man must play a part and mine a sad one let me play the fool with mirth and laughter let old wrinkles come and let my liver rather heat with wine than my heart cool with mortifying groans why should a man whose blood is warm within sit like his grandsire cut in alabaster sleep when he wakes and creep into the jaundice by being peevish i tell thee what antonio i love thee and tis my love that speaks there are a sort of men whose visages do cream and mantle like a standing pond and do a wilful stillness entertain with purpose to be dressed in an opinion of wisdom gravity profound conceit as who should say i am sir an oracle and when i ope my lips let no dog bark oh my antonio i do know of these that therefore only are reputed wise for saying nothing when i am very sure if they should speak would almost damn those ears which hearing them would call their brothers fools i'll tell thee more of this another time but fish not with this melancholy bait for this fool gudgeon this opinion come good lorenzo fare you well a while i'll end my exhortation after dinner well we will leave you then till dinner time i must be one of these same dumb wise men for Gratiano never lets me speak. Well, keep me company but two years more. Thou shalt not know the sound of thine own tongue. Far you well. I'll grow a talker for this gear. Thanks, if faith, for silence is only commendable in a neat's tongue dried, and a mate not vendable. Exit. It is that anything now. Gratiano speaks an infinite deal of nothing more than any man in all venice his reasons are two grains of wheat hidden two bushels of chaff you shall seek all day ere you find them and when you have them they are not worth the search well tell me now what lady is the same to whom you swore a secret pilgrimage 
that you to-day promise to tell me of tis not unknown to you antonio how much i have disabled my estate by something showing a more swelling port than my faint means would grant continuance nor do i now make moan to be abridged from such a noble rate but my chief care is to come fairly off from the great debts wherein my time something too prodigal hath left me gagged to you antonio i owe the most in money and in love and from your love i have a warranty to unburden all my plots and purposes how to get clear of all the debts i owe i pray you good bassanio let me know it and if it stand as you yourself still do within the eye of honour be assured my purse my person my extremest means lie all unlocked to your occasions in my school-days when i had lost one shaft i shot his fellow of the self-same flight the self-same way with more advised watch to find the other forth and by adventuring both i oft found both i urge this childhood proof because what follows is pure innocence i owe you much and like a wilful youth that which i owe is lost but if you please to shoot another arrow that same way which you did shoot the first i do not doubt as i will watch the aim or to find both or bring your latter hazard back again and thankfully rest debtor for the first you know me well and herein spend but time to wind about my love with circumstance and out of doubt you do more wrong in making question of my uttermost than if you had made waste of all i have then do but say to me what i should do that in your knowledge may by me be done and i am pressed unto it therefore speak in belmont is a lady richly left and she is fair and fairer than that word of wondrous virtues sometimes from her eyes i did receive fair speechless messages her name is portia nothing undervalued to cato's daughter brutus portia nor is the wide world ignorant of her worth for the four winds blow in from every coast renowned suitors and her sunny locks hang on her temples like a golden fleece which makes her seat of belmont colchus strong and many jasons come in quest of her oh my antonio had i but the means to hold a rival place with one of them i have a mind presages me such thrift that i should questionless be fortunate thou know'st that all my fortunes are at sea neither have i money nor commodity to raise a present summer therefore go forth try what my credit can in venice do that shall be racked even to the uttermost to furnish thee to belmont to fair portia go presently inquire and so will i where money is and i no question make to have it my trust or for my sake Exeunt. Enter Portia with her lady Norman, Nerissa. By my troth, Nerissa, my little body is a weary of this great world. 
You would be, sweet madam, if your miseries were in the same abundance as your good fortunes are. And yet, for aught I see, they are as sick that surfeit with too much as they that starve with nothing. It is no small happiness, therefore, to be seated in the mean. Superfluity comes sooner by white hairs, but competency lives longer. Good sentences and well pronounced. They would be better if well followed. If to do were as easy as to know what were good to do, chapels would have been churches and poor men's cottages, princes' palaces. It is a good divine that follows his own instructions. I can easier teach twenty what were good to be done than be one of the twenty to follow mine own teaching. The brain may devise laws for the blood, but a hot temper leaps or a cold decree. Such a hair is the madness of youth, to skip all the meshes of good counsel the cripple. But this reasoning is not in the fashion to choose me a husband. Oh me, the word choose. I may neither choose who I would, nor refuse whom I dislike. So is the will of a living daughter, curbed at the will of a dead father. Is it not hard, Nerissa, that I cannot choose one, nor refuse none? Your father was ever virtuous, and holy men at their death have good inspirations. Therefore, the lottery that he hath devised in these three chests of gold, silver, and lead, whereof who chooses his meaning chooses you, will no doubt never be chosen by any rightly, but one who you shall rightly love. But what warmth is there in your affection towards any of these princely suitors that have already come? I pray thee, ever name them, and as thou namest them, I will describe them, and according to my description, level at my affection. First, there is the Neapolitan prince. Ay, that's a cult indeed, for he doth nothing but talk of his horse, and makes it a great appropriation of his own good parts, that he can shew him himself. I am much afeard my lady his mother played false with a smith. Then is there the county palatine? He doth nothing but frown, and would say, If you will not have me, choose. <laughs> he hears merry tales and smiles not. I fear he will prove the weeping philosopher when he grows old, being so full of unmannerly sadness in his youth. I had rather be married to a death's head with a bone in its mouth than either of these. God defend me from these two. How say you by the French lord, Monsieur Le Bon? God made him and therefore he may pass for a man. In truth, I know it is a sin to be a mocker, but he! Why, he hath a horse better than Neapolitans, a better bad habit of frowning than the Count Palatine. He is every man in no man. If a throstle sing, he falls straight a capering. He will fence with his own shadow. If I should marry him, I should marry twenty husbands. If he would despise me, I would forgive him. For if he love me to madness, I shall never requite it. What say you then to Falconbridge, the young baron of England? You know I say nothing to him, for he understands not me, nor I him. He hath neither Latin, French, nor Italian, and you will come into the court and swear I have a poor penny's worth in the English. He is a proper picture of a man, but alas, who can converse with such a dumb show? How oddly he is suited. I think he bought his doublet in Italy, his round hose in France, his bonnet in Germany, and his behaviour everywhere. 
What think you of the other lord, his neighbour? That he hath a neighbourly charity in him, for he borrowed a box of the ear of the Englishman, and swore he would pay him again when he was able. I think the Frenchman became his surety, and sealed under for another. How like you the young German, the Duke of Saxony's nephew? Very vilely in the morning when he is sober, and most vilely in the afternoon when he is drunk. When he is best, he is a little worse than a man, and when he is worse, he is a little better than a beast, and the worst fall that ever fell. I hope I shall make shift to go without him. If he should offer to choose, and choose the right casket, you should refuse to perform your father's will, if you should refuse to accept him. Therefore, for fear of the worst, I pray thee, set a deep glass of Remish wine on the contrary casket. For if the devil be within, and that temptation without, I know he will choose it. I will do anything, Nerissa, ere I'll be married to a sponge. You need not fear, lady, the having of any of these lords. They have acquainted me with their determinations, which is indeed to return to their home and to trouble you with no more suit unless you may be won by some other sort than your father's imposition, depending on the caskets. If I live to be as old as Sevilla, I will die as chaste as Diana, unless I be obtained by the manner of my father's will. I am glad this parcel of wooers is so reasonable, for there is not one among them, but I dote on his very absence. And I pray God grant them a fair departure. Do you not remember, lady, in your father's time, a Venetian, a scholar and a soldier, that came hither in company of the Marquess de Montserrat? Yes, yes, it was Bassanio. As I think, so was he called. True, madam. He, of all the men that ever my foolish eyes looked upon, was the best deserving a fair lady. I remember him well, and I remember him worthy of thy praise. Enter a Wingman. The four strangers seek you, madam, to take their leave, and there is a forerunner come from a fifth, the Prince of Morocco, who brings word the Prince his master will be here tonight. If I could bid the fifth welcome so good a heart as I bid the other four farewell, I should be glad of his approach. If he have the condition of a saint and the complexion of a devil, I'd rather have him shive me than wive me. Come, Nerissa. Sirrah, go before. Whilst we shut the gates upon one wooer, Another knocks at the door. Exeunt. Enter Pisanio with Shylock the Jew. Three thousand ducats. Well. Aye, sir, for three months. For three months? Well. For the which, as I told you, Antonio shall be bound. Antonio shall become bound. Well. May you stead me? Will you pleasure me? Shall I know your answer? Three thousand ducats for three months, and Antonio bound. Your answer to that? Antonio is a good man. Have you heard any imputation to the contrary? Oh, no, 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 no. My meaning in saying he is a good man, is to have you understand me that he is sufficient, 
yet his means are in supposition he had an argosy bound to tripolis another to the indies i understand moreover upon the rialto he hath a third at mexico a fourth for england and other ventures he hath squandered abroad but ships are but boards sailors but men there be land rats and water rats water thieves and land thieves i mean pirates and then there is the peril of waters winds and rocks the man is notwithstanding sufficient three thousand ducats i think i may take his bond be assured you may i will be assured i may and that i may be assured i will bethink me may i speak with antonio if it please you to dine with us yes to smell pork to eat of the habitation which your prophet the nazarite conjured the devil into i will buy with you sell with you talk with you walk with you and so following but i will not eat with you drink with you nor pray with you what news on the rialto who is he comes here enter antonio this is signor antonio how like a fawning publican he looks i hate him for he is a christian but more for that in low simplicity he lends out money gratis and brings down the rate of usance here with us in venice if i can catch him once upon the hip i will feed fat the ancient grudge i bear him he hates our sacred nation and he rails even there where merchants most do congregate on me my bargains and my well-worn thrift which he calls interest cast said be my tribe if i forgive him shylock do you hear i am debating of my present store and by the near guess of my memory i cannot instantly raise up the gross of full three thousand ducats what of that tubal a wealthy hebrew of my tribe will furnish me but sob how many months do you desire rest you fair good signor your worship was the last man in our mouths shylock i'll bait i neither lend nor borrow by taking nor by guying of excess yet to supply the ripe wants of my friend i'll break a custom is he yet possessed how much he would ay ay three thousand ducat and for three months i had forgot three months you told me so well then your bond and let me see but hear you methoughts you said you neither lend nor borrow upon advantage i do never use it 
when Jacob grazed his uncle Laban's sheep, this Jacob from our holy Abraham was, as his wise mother wrote in his behalf, the third possessor. Aye, he was the third. And what of him? Did he take interest? No, not take interest, not as you would say, directly interest. Mark what Jacob did, when Laban and himself were compromised, that all the enings which were streaked and pied should fall as Jacob's hire, the ewes being rank in end of autumn turned to the rams, and when the work of generation was between these woolly breeders in the act, the skilful shepherd peeled me certain ones, and in the doing of the deed of kind he stuck them up before the pulsome ewes, who then, conceiving, did in eaning time fall party-coloured lambs, and those were Jacob's. This was a way to thrive, and he was blessed, and thrift is blessing, if men steal it not. This was a venture, sir, that Jacob sarud for, a thing not in his power to bring to pass, but swayed and fashioned by the hand of heaven. Was this inserted to make interest good? Or is your gold and silver use and rams? I cannot tell. I make it breed as fast. But note me, signor. Mark you this, Bassanio. The devil can cite scripture for his purpose. An evil soul producing holy witness is like a villain with a smiling cheek, a goodly apple rotten at the heart. Oh, what a goodly outside falsehood hath. Three thousand ducats to the good round sum. Three months from twelve, then let me see the red. Well, Shylock, shall we be beholding to you? Signor Antonio, many a time and oft in the Rialto you have rated me about my monies and my usances. Still have I borne it with a patient shrug, for sufferance is the badge of all our tribe. You call me misbeliever, cutthroat dog, and spat upon my Jewish gabardine, and all for use of that which is mine own. Well, then... It now appears you need my help. Go to, then. You come to me, and you say, Shylock, we would have monies, you say so. You that did void your room upon my beard, and foot me as you spur a stranger cur over your threshold, money is your suit. What should I say to you, should I not say, hath a dog money? Is it possible a cur should lend three thousand ducats, or... Shall I bend low, and in a bondman's key, with bated breath and whispering humbleness, say this, fair sir, you spat on me on Wednesday last, you spurned me such a day, another time you called me dog, and for these curtsies I'll lend you thus much monies. I am as like to call thee so again, to spet on thee again, to spurn thee too. If thou wilt lend this money, lend it not, as to thy friends, for when did friendship take a breed of barain metal to his friend? But lend it rather to thine enemy, who, if he break, thou mayst with better face exact the penalties. Why, look you, how you storm! I would be friends with you and have your love. Forget the shames that you have stained me with. Supply your present wants, and take no doit of usance for my monies, and you'll not hear me. This is kind, I offer. This were kindness. This kindness will I show. 
Go with me to a notary, seal me there, your single bond, and in a merry sport, if you repay me not on such a day, in such a place, such sum or sums, as are expressed in the condition that the forfeit be nominated for an equal pound of your fair flesh to be cut off and taken in what part of your body it pleaseth me. Content, ye faith. I'll seal to such a bond, and say there is much kindness in the Jew. You shall not seal to such a bond for me. I'd rather dwell in my necessity. Why, fair not man, I will not forfeit it. Within these two months, that's a month before this bond expires, I do expect return, of thrice three times the value of this bond. Oh, Father Abraham, what these Christians are, whose own hard dealings teaches them suspect the thoughts of others. Pray you tell me this. If he should break his day, what should I gain by the exaction of the forfeiture? A pound of man's flesh taken from a man is not so estimable, profitable neither, as flesh of muttons, beefs, or goats, I say, to buy his favour. I extend this friendship, if he will take it so, if not a dear. And, for my love, I pray you wrong me not. Yes, Shylock, I will seal unto this bond. Then meet me forthwith at the notary's. Give him direction for this merry bond, and I will go and purse the ducat straight. See to my house, left in the fearful guard of an unthrifty knave, and presently I'll be with you. Enter. Hi thee, gentle Jew. The Hebrew will turn Christian. He grows kind. I like not fair terms and a villain's mind. Come on. In this there can be no dismay. My shippers come home a month before the day. Axiant. End of Actus Primus.